All right, welcome back to the lineup. I'm super excited. First of all, this is the first lineup we've done in months now. I think the last one was in July, and the one before that was in March. But second, you're going to hear a voice in just a moment, and this voice is right across the desk from me, not several states away or one time zone away over a Skype line, but rather here in the flesh. It's the one, the only, the inimitable, the never-duplicated, often replicated Pete LeCleed. Welcome. Dude, you are the ultimate hype man. <laughs> it is great to be here. You, you are the ultimate hype man. Do you like my studio? Dude, this is this is something. We got a little command center going on right here. Yeah, so we have uh, we have ESPN up. We've got UCLA 14, I'm sorry, UCLA 21, Stanford 10. We just watched Stanford run a uh, you know, really creative up the gut run to uh, to make it the second to last play of the half yeah, at, exactly at their own 30. Exactly what you would call in your own 30. Yeah. Down Bri- 11. <laughs> brilliant play calling by David home. Shaw. And then on the other screen, we have playoff baseball going on. So it's a, uh, it is a command center. I, maybe we should see if we can stream the Chiefs game as well. Although that got a lot less interesting because Pat Mahomes out with a knee injury. Yeah, we're, we're going to see how much of an offensive genius Andy Reid really is. I mean, we knew he was good, but how much has Pat Mahomes' legs been able to win it for the last couple of years? I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Pat Mahomes. It is, it's sad to see what's going on there. But Okay, I two questions we'll for you. Do you think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now? No. Who do you think is? Honestly, Tom Brady. Uh, oh, didn't like that one. I, okay. it, it doesn't mean I like him, but I mean, how do you argue with Okay, him? so a couple things. I, I will agree, even though I dislike him very strongly yep. and think he does not pursue the the uh, does not pursue his advantages ethically. I will agree <laughs> that he is the greatest of all time in the sense of his his resume. The he, goat, if he you has will. The, the goat, goat, if I will, and I will. He has the goat's resume. Without a doubt. There's no I think rational way to say Which, that he does not. By the way, didn't we used to but, use the word goat when we talked about people in a negative connotation? Right, yeah, when that's did like it scapegoat. change? It's, it's only it it's only when it's an all caps acronym. If I've got the emoji on on uh, Twitter, right. right? Yeah, you have to okay. put the actual goat. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good to know. Uh, I, I'm not hip anymore. You so know that. I agree with you that if we're talking about which player, which active player on a roster today has the best case for a Hall of Fame or best case for a greatest player of all time, et cetera. I think that has to be Tom Brady. But if we're saying who's the greatest player in the NFL right now, when I say that, I mean who is the best playmaker at this moment in time. So you mean who's the most exciting right now? Am I right? Mm, Let's see. I don't know because like Kirk Cousins is kind of exciting because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, in like a bland eating vanilla ice cream at 10 o'clock over your sink kind of way? No, I mean like some days he will throw three interceptions and other days he will throw 400 yards. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's exciting. You never know what you're going to get. It's true. He is the great unknown. <laughs> yes, he is. So <laughs> I, I just mean, I guess like, let me put it this way. If you are, if, if you were in the newly formed XFL, which just had their draft the other day, by the yeah, way. Yeah, super exciting. And they did their draft on like a Zoom Skype-like uh, web telecast. <laughs> yeah, except it was one of those, like, they, they didn't create a login. They were yeah. just using the free version. <laughs> yeah, so it had the Zoom uh, watermark on it, yep. and the draft timer was literally someone using the built-in Windows timer and just clicking <laughs> start every time they I were... <laughs> I swear you could hear people getting emails on their iPhones it's in awesome. the background, too. <laughs> um, okay, so let's say, Pete, that you are an XFL coach. Love and, it. And you're doing your draft. And the rules in this case are that you can choose anyone from an, from any NFL roster and they can't say no. Okay. 
who do you choose? It's it can't be Brady, right? You're not going to choose no, Brady. No. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably choose Mahomes because I think he's the most exciting. Okay. See what I did there? Mm, I do. Um, would you take a dude like Jared Goff? I mean, dude went to the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes didn't go to the Super Bowl. That's true. Is it all about coaching? Uh, it's a it's a lot about coaching. I think. I mean, to go back to the Brady example, you think Brady would be where he is if Brady was under, I don't know, Dan Quinn. No, it he wouldn't be as good on Dan Quinn because not only does he have good play calling, but mm-hmm. they keep giving him the weapons on the outside and they give him a defense that he doesn't have to do at all. I mean, you watch a dude like Pat Mahomes. If he's not scoring 50 points, they're in a shootout every time. Right. I mean, I mean that, that team is built around Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, hopefully he comes back into action. Hopefully this is not an ACL injury. I know, that'd be sad. The, uh, the bane of great quarterbacks everywhere, like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, both of whom... Yeah. Aaron Rodgers did, right? I'm not making that up. Or was it just that he almost did when he had the MCL scare last year? Lower body injury, whatever that means. (laughs) Am I fusing those two things? That was the crazy game against the Bears. Yeah. Where we thought he tore his ACL. Yeah, where Khalil Mack was just going nuts, right? And he came back in the second half and engineered that like 21-point come-from-behind victory. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to choose Mahomes. Um, What about Russell Wilson? Any chance you go for that? I do like Russell Wilson. I just, I don't know. There, there's something about Russell Wilson that just doesn't doesn't do it for me. I, mm. I can't even explain why. I mean, the Seahawks are always there. Pete Carroll's a terrible coach who just chews gum. That's really all he does. Yeah. He he also has perfected the uh, the ripping off the headset after an unnecessarily oh, yeah. close he's win. He's emotional. And running onto the field. He's yeah. emotional. He's I respect the emotion. He's, he's gotten really good at the ripping off the headset move. Yeah, he's also really good at making sure that he's about to get fired and then figuring something out at the last second to not get fired. It's it's pretty expert level. Speaking of getting fired. You have my attention? The Redskins. <laughs> oh, man. I should have seen that transition coming. <laughs> well done, by the way. Well done. Uh, thank you. Um, expert transition. So, here. I mean, how overdue was was the firing, do you think? Uh, and I guess a different question. So so part part one is how overdue was it? Yep. Part two, how mad were you that Bruce Allen was not also canned? Well, I seem to remember a Tuesday night pod that we did like a year and a half ago when they made all these trades for Alex Smith. And yep. don't get me wrong, Alex Smith, great quarterback. Love Alex Smith. They mortgaged the farm on Alex Smith, like sold away the defense. Yep. And by the way, what's the problem with the Redskins right now? It's the defense. Like we called this years ago. Um, I wasn't surprised at all that Bruce Allen is still there. So honestly, I'm not even mad. Like like I told you before we started, I stopped watching Redskins football because there's no good. Like, especially when you look at everything else we have going on in DC sports, why would I waste my time on a franchise who clearly doesn't care if I like them or not? Yeah. They played the Patriots two weeks ago and it was a Patriots home game. And I'm not speaking hyperbole at all. There are more Patriots fans than the Redskins fans. So I'm not mad at all what the Redskins do. I, I am completely apathetic to them. So when you say completely apathetic, when you live in Las Vegas now, I do. The Raiders are coming to town next year. Yep. Will you transfer allegiances? Will you be a Raiders fan? No, only because... Because you don't love John Gruden as much as Jay Gruden? You cut me to the core right there. <laughs> um, I don't find the NFL to be in a good spot this oh, year. Oh, good. This the, is where I was hoping we were going. The, because The NFL product yeah. in 2019 is atrocious, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, we always talked with the NFL. You always saw that, that hilarious circle by week six because there was some upset. And the parody in the NFL for years is what made the NFL fun to watch is you yeah. truly didn't know who would win. Who do we have this year? We have the Patriots. Patriots who are 
uh, undefeated. And who do they have coming up? The Jets? Okay, give me a break. Yeah, I'm sure the Jets have mono again, so that's right. not going to be a game. Yeah, Sammy Spleens, as uh, they're calling him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> who else do we have who is like a really exciting team to watch? Pat well, the Holmes Chiefs, be hurt. but now... Mahomes is hurt, so yep. who's going to tune in for Matt Moore? And the Chiefs playing a terrible division, right? So there's not a whole lot of competition then. Um, I mean, the Gardner Minshew thing's been fun in Jacksonville. Yep, Jags are still bad though. Yeah, traded Jalen Ramsey yep. away, and now they're worse because they traded Jalen Ramsey yep. away. Yep. I mean, the Rams are a little disappointing, but they'll be just fine because there's not a whole lot of competition outside right. of San Francisco. Packers, maybe. Maybe. I think people are tired of Aaron Rodgers, though. I and also saw an article. There's a long article in The Athletic that had, as of this morning, like 250-plus comments about how Aaron Rodgers has had a steep drop-off in his yeah. performance since his MVP campaign in, what, 2014, I think it was? Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Seahawks, the perpetually in-the-race team that never quite fulfills ambitions. Yeah. But they do have that headset-ripping coach. Uh, okay, Niners. Choose gum like a big dog. Niners are kind of fun this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, he's exciting. Jim, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. But I, I mean, you look at who are the great quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Excuse me. In Indianapolis. I mean, who who are the quarterbacks who are getting it done? I'm not talking about stats. I'm talking about right. wins. Okay, right now. fair. Yeah. They all came out of the Patriot system mm, again. So we go back yes. to that great coaching. Yeah. It's true. I mean, maybe maybe I don't want Tom Brady to start my franchise. I think I'd take Bill Belichick. He's terrible to work with. Sold yeah. to sold to the devil. But at the same time, if I own a team, I, I care about wins. So maybe that's where I go. Yeah, it is kind of an interesting question. I mean, if you were if you were a Patriots fan, would you be glad? I mean, I, I, I guess I'd just be glad that I would have all the rings, right? But at the same time, I really... I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, as you know, as we've talked about extensively on this pod. We, we have. We did the emergency pod couple years ago when those were the best of times seems like so long ago <laughs> that they won the super bowl that's our only super bowl in franchise history yeah and uh you know what's that country song the longer the waiting the sweeter the kiss i'm pretty sure you're just making up any country song right now uh that's yeah it's, it's most of them actually do you want to talk about your dog they can be cliff noted that way your truck <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so there's, I don't know, there's something nice about not winning every year because yeah. then it's just like yankees fans you Throw know the chase man george will um i think i have this yeah, so I have a book over there on my desk or on my bookshelf called Bunts by George F. Will. He's a political commentator, but I like him for his baseball commentary. And uh, he wrote, I think, more of it in the 90s. He has this, another book called Men at Work, The Craft of Baseball. He's just been a, a student of the game his whole life, and he yep. loves it. But he's a Cubs fan, and he's been a Cubs fan since long before 2016 when they won the World Series. Yep. And one of the questions I remember him raising in this book, Bunts, is have you ever met a Yankees fan with real character? Ooh, so I don't know. Have you? I can either confirm nor deny. <laughs> it's a very provo provocative question. He's obviously being tongue in cheek, but I mean, as we sit here and, and stream in our command center, the Yankees in the ALCS, uh, you know, it's a reminder that the Yankees as a franchise historically have had quite a share of postseason success. Yeah. 27 titles, right? Including a three peat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 27 titles and it's cool when you're just a fan of the team that is on average, the best in the sport, and just yep. like the Patriots are. But at the same time, there's just something a little bit, you know, we've talked about small market teams, right? And and the the small but devoted fan bases that they command and how wonderful it is when a team like the Kansas City Royals wins the World Series. Yeah. Um, and I like that a lot more. And, you know, both for its heartwarming aspects, but also just for its uh, its novelty. Yeah. And so for that reason, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not a fan of any team that has consistent 
deserve success, you know? Yeah. If anything, we root for teams for the opposite of consistent success. Like once, once in a blue moon type thing. Right. I once came across someone on Twitter who, uh, described themselves in their profile as a, let's see, Patriots, Crimson Tide, Golden State Warriors, and Yankees fan. <laughs> I hate every every part of their being right now. And they uh, they wanted to say, you know, don't hate. Uh, it's all real or something like that. Like, it, you know, I'm not just a bandwagon fan. <laughs> like, in, in what universe could that but, constellation of teams possibly be real? Like, I, I give my right arm for teams to win a championship, but what's what's the fun? In, in all seriousness, like, yeah. I, I'd love to win every year, but the fun is competing not knowing exactly the unknown the sheer joy and surprise because anything can happen in the playoffs i i just don't get it i mean you, if if you were lucky enough to grow up with that team who is just dominating right now awesome more power to you but i don't, I don't understand the bandwagonness of yeah. it all like it was fun to root for the cubs in 2016 <clears throat> excuse me because it hadn't happened in any of our lifetimes right it was fun to watch the red sox in 2004 because it hadn't happened It'll be fun to root for a team like the Nationals, I hope, in the World Series because it's never happened before. You look at all these franchises, the Chiefs, who were so bad for so long, and now Pat Mahomes has them back. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun to watch teams and fans who have been down on their luck for so long finally do something. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But speaking of uh, not knowing, you mentioned to me, and I'm curious if you go on the record here tonight, being in favor of robo-lumps. For, Absolutely. For balls and strikes. Absolutely. So talk to me about this. Absolutely. You watch the, the postseason this year, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but the amount of argued balls and strikes, and I get it in the postseason, it is more emotional. Every pitch matters on like the 162-game season. And now, I mean, Fox, ESPN, TBS, whatever network is showing the game, is also doing these umpires a disservice by putting that K zone up so you can see immediately. That is their a huge disservice. On a call. Too. Yeah, that, I totally agree but, with that. But it's one of those if we have the technology to put a K zone up, we have the technology for a robo umpire. At this point, why do we even need an opinion on balls and strikes? If we are trying to make it so black and white, we've instituted a replay to make sure that we can hold umpires accountable when they miss a call. And don't get me wrong. In the field, they seldom miss a call. They are so good in the field that I don't think we need to change that. I'm glad we have replay, but it slows the game down. You go to a major league game, a baseball review that goes through New York takes two to three minutes. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to take 30 to 45 seconds. So then you look at these huge strikeouts on a backwards K and you watch these incredibly dominant pitchers become more dominant because they're getting the help because it's the seventh inning and they're throwing a one hitter they're in the zone. You see the the batter disagree with the call and then magically not get the next call either. And it's just, why are we inducing more opinions, more fog and friction into something that is, in, in the sports world, so important here in October? You look at what the NFL has done, and as they've tried to give you more chances to have an opinion on something like pass interference, it's backfiring on the NFL. And so I, I just don't understand why if we have the technology for something that we want to be black and white, why on earth are we not going to it? Still have a guy back there to help officiate the game and call players out or safe at home plate on close plays to look at check swings. But why on earth have we not embraced robo umpires other than tradition, the umpires union, and just change, which yeah. we hate in baseball? Okay, so a couple things. One, I, I found this video. I, I saw this um, the other day, a video I'm going to narrate it for our listeners here but in a in an arizona fall league game there was a player 
who didn't like the calls from the RoboUmp because if you look, all of those pitches, those three strikes are just barely painting the outside mm-hmm. of the plate. Yep. And he got mad, not even at the home plate umpire, presumably, but just mad that the RoboUmp called him, called him out on strikes. Yep. And so he argued the strikes, and so the home plate umpire booted him, <laughs> uh, pitched him from the game for arguing balls and strikes. So I think it doesn't necessarily solve that problem, but I do agree with you that overall it it, it takes that, human element out and it takes the possibility of you know passions kind of exploding and it's going to uh, speed up the game too yeah. isn't that the big problem with baseball is everything is so dramatic and drawn out sure. does it speed up the game i mean i am i guess i'm skeptical about how much it will actually speed up the game because how much time is actually lost arguing balls and strikes i mean let's say i don't know notionally on average one out of every three strikeouts is controversial to the player so then that player argues and that player's argument is normally just a few sharp words at the umpire on the walk back to the dugout. Let's say half the time that player spends, I don't know, 10 seconds. So in a game with, let's go in a game with like 24 strikeouts, half of them, 12 of them will be 10 seconds long. So that's going to add two minutes to the game, right? So I don't know about, I don't know about the speeding up the game argument, but I do think that just, um, I think that the the precision of it, I think, is is something that I can get on board with. Yeah, and and I mean, you think about how it impacts the game from a psychological perspective. That if if you're getting the if you're getting the inside edge, or you're you're getting the high strike tonight, I mean, yeah. how much does that influence everything they do? And why do we need to add in that gray matter on on this kind of stuff? I mean, I I love baseball. Like you you and I have talked about it for years at this point. But at the same time, if we have the technology. Why are we even making this a case anymore? It'll help the fairness. I think it'll help the speed. I think it'll help take a little of the drama out of an aspect that we don't need the drama on. Why is the guy getting the low strike tonight? Why can the up not call the slider effectively? Like, why aren't guys having to swing at inside pitches because he's not calling the inside corner tonight? I mean, all these, this extra layer. Baseball is hard enough. October, every pitch matters enough. Why do we need to to add in opinions to it? Another thing, though, I've I've always wondered this. We need to get a uh, a digital specialist for MLB advanced media in here. How do they set the box, right? Because Jose Altuve's strike zone is obviously way smaller and lower than Aaron judges. So there, there is some level of subjectivity there, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, even if we were to say like, no, the box is perfectly calibrated to the height of, you know, every player and the strike zone goes from, you know, standing with arms at sides from tops of kneecaps to, elbows and like people have longer and shorter arms so that's gonna there's gonna be some subjectivity there so no that's fair i still think there is there's an element of subjectivity no matter how you slice the dice i think it's just um i mean i think there's an argument for slightly greater precision uh with the robo ump that way yeah um how about this this though for proposal what if we added the robo ump for home plate balls and strikes but took away replay good or bad idea bad idea obviously replay would stay intact for uh, for TV audiences, right? So this mm-hmm. is not saying like we wouldn't we wouldn't yeah, show plays again, but just you know, no, no replay challenge. Bad idea, you think? I do. I one, I don't think we could ever go back at this point. Yeah, prob- I, think, I think that's true too. This is a hypothetical scenario. I think because every sport, including baseball, has introduced this element, there's a certain expectation of perfection, mm-hmm. not only behind home plate but at every base. Yeah. Um, that I don't think we as fans or even players at this point could accept. Right. So I, I think the clearly blown calls, I mean, you think back to the Jim Joyce 
near perfect game with who was it? Andres Galarraga. Yep. Was it Andres, yep. But um, you, you think back to those and you think of what history could have been made and what has been tarnished by that was a game in the middle of June. I mean, we, we still talk about all these years later. So I, I don't think we can go back, nor do I want to, I expect that level of perfection fair or not. And that's part of the reason why I like robot ums. All right. Let me make this counter argument to you for audiences. I, I think we often talk about these things as TV audiences, right? But for audiences that are there in the ballpark, does replay actually add anything? I would argue no. I mean, yes, it's true that we have in most, if not all parks, we have big jumbo screens that yep. can show some replays, et cetera. But if the, you know, if, if the, if the stoppage of play doesn't happen, we don't show that replay over and over and over again. Yep. And the game just gets to continue and people get to be absorbed into more baseball and there's just less stoppage and obviously less duration overall and things like that. But if you're a fan of your team, wouldn't you rather get the call right? And, um, and tolerate the the slower pace. So, I mean, yes, but I think that argument cuts both ways because if you're a fan of your team, you'd also be fine with letting the calls that go, go your way go. You know what I sure. mean? And going back to the argument about people who are watching the game, most people who are watching a game are going to be the home crowd, right? And yep. so uh, when calls go their way, they're going to be okay with that. Yeah. What about the blatant ones they miss? Yeah, I mean, I guess, is there is there such a thing as to a baseball watching audience in a giant modern ballpark is, is there such a thing as a blatant one that an, an ump misses not normally honestly i think they're really really good in yeah. the field i think yeah. they seldom miss a call in the field but you think about those bang bang plays at first or the crazy stolen second where they miss the initial tag and then they hold it on right as the right players sure. up. i i don't know i i think our expectations are just so high with sports these days that i can't imagine anything else well speaking of never missing calls the uh the referees in the nfl oh they are doing a great job these days they're awful this year there's actually reports that certain referee pairings are getting higher bets in vegas um than than others Amazing. because of their affinity for for certain kinds of calls like illegal hands to the face and things like that if you're a detroit lions fan yeah that did you see those replays i did i did i didn't Crazy. see it live but yeah I, I saw the replays and i mean it was it was Brian Belaga, wasn't it? It was it was acting. Yes, throwing his chin up. Yep. Oh, he's getting his hands yep. in my face. Well, and so so you look at that, and you you just kind of you look at everything that's going on with the NFL this year, and just all the bad publicity they've gotten. Yeah, and and you just have to wonder. I mean, look at what's going on with the the pass interference calls. I mean, the last stat I saw on Tuesday morning was that head coaches are one and twenty five yeah. when they challenge pass interference like that. It's not possible. I've seen Doug Peterson lose at least one. And and so what you're seeing now is just coaches don't throw the flag on pass interference because right. they know they're going to lose. So you have to wonder, did did the NFL officials not buy into that scheme when the NFL owners passed it last year and they took that as a personal slight and so they're just not going to change their calls? I mean, those calls are going back to New York where the replay center is, right? That, those are not that was my understanding, yeah. So I... I, well, I just it's, it's strange it. because I was watching a, an Eagles game earlier this year and there was clear, it was Eagles Packers. There was clear interference uh, from uh, the Eagles cornerback against, I think it was um, uh, Valdez Scantling, who's a really amazing receiver, by the way. Yeah. And it was, it was clear pass interference. I mean, they missed it the first time around. So um, Matt LaFleur threw the flag and they reviewed it and said, no, no clear and obvious pass interference. And it was very clear and obvious. So I think the standard really is, Unless the miss was flagrant, you know, unless the miss is like 
going to be a, a black mark on our reputations if we don't reverse this call, then we're not going to reverse the call. Well, you look back at that Saints-Rams game last year, and you yeah. wonder, would they have overturned that mm. this year? And I really and truly don't know. It's just, I I don't know. I, I think if you're if your team is competing this year or if you're putting money on these games yeah. in casinos around the country, you are upset with the officiating right now. And and I am not saying that they're necessarily having like Boston college, late eighties schemes to, to beat the spread and all these kind of things. But it, it makes you wonder what's going on with referees. I mean, I think you could argue. Oh, it's, 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 it's time for conspiracy. It's, Pete conspiracy. Pete's coming out. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, <laughs> but you look at what happened in, what was that? 2012 when we had the, the replacement refs come in and how bad of a disaster that was. I think the NFL is slowly getting close to that where there's such lack of trust in officiating and such disinterest in the game because of that officiating. I think they're going to start losing viewers and they're going to start losing support. I really do. I want them to call us in as replacement refs. I'd have some fun with that. I would too. I mean, I'm probably way too out of shape to run up and down that field (laughs) on a daily basis, but I'd have fun with that. I'd probably also be the dude who gets in the way during a dynamic pass over the middle and gets just dropped by someone. (laughs) Um. Well, You're picturing me getting run over am, by a 300 pound lineman right now. It's a pretty, it's a pretty vivid image. This is why we don't do podcasts in person. Uh, <laughs> I'm also, I'm also watching UCLA just uh, destroy Stanford. This is really amazing. Dude, Not Pac-12 a, um, after dark never let you down. That's a good point. Yeah. Never let you down. Um, well, going back to the NFL here, though, as a Las Vegas resident, soon to be Raiders fan. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Are you are you sad that Antonio Brown's not going to be in town now? <laughs> not even a little. Not even a little. I, what what is up with this saga? This is so absurd. This is one of the most ridiculous professional sports stories ever. Yeah. I think because for a while, in true conspiracy fashion, it was a conspiracy that he wanted to go to the Patriots. He right. wanted to get out of the Raiders. Well, I think none of that's necessarily disproven either. No, I agree. But it's just it's amazing that he either has the worst publicity team in history or he is just so off the reservation at this point probably due to cte yeah so i was going to say this is not exactly conspiracy but bill simmons uh is on the record publicly speculating whether or not that hit that he took from uh perfect yeah vontez perfect in the play by the way right? a raider uh re- now out for, now the, out for the season, season right? yeah yep. because he uh, is playing too violently uh he took a hit from uh, perfect at the time on the Bengals in the playoffs and it was brutal like oh, it, it was, was one of the worst yeah it was horrible one of the worst hits I've ever seen yeah. in football across the middle uh just, just shot to the just head blatant yeah and Brian was out um and so Bill Simmons has said you know maybe that was the moment I think it's probably a little bit too simplistic to say that was the moment but clearly this guy is someone who um you know he's played with the same helmet all his life right it's this is uh someone who has yeah played aggressively and taken a lot of shots to the head. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, maybe even probability to think that this has gotten to him. Well, and, and go back to our earlier point about how bad of a year this is for the NFL. It's the, the big celebration in the NFL. And I mean, you look and college football's got the 150 year anniversary, the NFL obviously celebrating their anniversary too. And you look at this could not be going worse for the NFL. They have a star player who's going to an up-and-coming market as they get ready to move to Las Vegas. I mean, right. we've talked about going to the NFL draft. I mean, things are really exciting on the West Coast for the NFL, and you just have this this guy who's getting this negative publicity um, who was supposed to be one of your superstars. I mean, wasn't he on the cover of Madden last year? Yes, it was. It was 2000... Yeah, it was Madden 19... Madden... Yeah. 
19, yeah. Yeah, the, the Madden curse got him in a different way this year yeah, than it indeed. normally gets people. But I mean, all these people they keep propping up are slowly disappearing, whether it's due to injury, whether it's due to sharp decline. And then you get this bad publicity with NFL refs and you look at these dysfunctional franchises. And I, I think if you're Roger Goodell, you're thinking, I I think I have a likability problem, not just him. I mean, he's had that for years. Yeah. But I think as a league. <laughs> he's he's always he's I mean, born with that. It, I don't think it's ever been worse. And you look at these contracts that college football keeps signing as they stand up things like the ACC network. Fox Sports 1 is now carrying all these games and, and running with the Big Ten. And their viewership for, for Big Ten games at noon on Saturday is huge. Yeah. College game day ratings are down. I I mean, it's that's not to say college football's popularity is declining, but I think if you're looking at the NFL, everyone is starting to grab bits and pieces of your viewership, and I think the XFL is going to threaten them. I mean, not to the level that they need to truly be worried, but they're going to start chipping away at fans here real soon, I think. So why do you think the XFL is going to be different than, um, darn it, what's the, what was the other league that folded this year? Uh, the, you know what I mean? The football yeah. league. Yeah, it was like the arena one that started right after the Super Bowl. Yeah, right? so why called? is XFL going to be different from that? Um, I can't put it all on Oliver Luck. Obviously, there's so much more to that league. Yeah. But I think just looking at the way they're getting set up, minus the terrible Zoom uh, draft that, that we watched, um, I think they're just going to be a more efficiently run, and I think they've got more support. I didn't even hear about this other league until it was starting up. It was like the the American Alliance of Football or something Yeah, like the that. AAF. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And they, I think they solely existed right after the Super Bowl to try to grab those fans. Yeah. And within three weeks, everyone moved on to great things like college basketball and and golf That's true. starting yeah, up good and point. baseball starting up. And, and then the sport collapsed yeah. or the league collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this league has a little more staying power. I mean, obviously I'm not sold on them, but I think it's enough to chip away at the NFL brand because they are going to counter the NFL. They're not trying to compliment them like the AAF was. All right, question for you. If the XFL says we're going to solve the injury problem, at least the contact part of the injury problem, by making this flag football, are you in or are you out? I don't a know. Professional, if I a football. professional flag football league. I don't think I can watch. No, this would be football. fun. This would be good. I mean, there, there's got to be some other elements of craziness. Are they going to have like no out of bounds, no fair catch? Uh, they they got to do something crazy here to make this. Well, I mean, no fair catch in flag would be ridiculous, right? Because you just have guys like. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Be <laughs> okay, yeah. So we'll go no fair catch, flag football league. Let's go. Um, mm, kickers have to kick with non-dominant feet. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Even better, your quarterback has to also be your kicker. I like it. Yep. I like quarterback it. Quarterback has to be your I kicker. Think we gotta get away from denominations of ten for yardage markers. Like, yep. make the field like eight, seven yards. I was gonna say eighty-four yards long, but yep, okay. let's go with that. No, so uh, no, eighty-four is perfect. We will uh, twelve increments of seven. Love it. Yeah, uh, let's do three downs. Ooh, yeah. Yep, this is gonna be good. And no, let's go five downs, but the first time marker is midfield. And that's it. You get one shot. It's Love like, it. it's, it's backyard rules. Love it. You always got to go for two. Yep. Love it. Well, no, you don't always have to go for two because your quarterback can also kick, but your quarterback <laughs> has to kick from midfield for the extra point. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure Jay and, Green and will be coaching there. And soon. you're not allowed to kick a field goal closer than midfield. You have to just go for the touchdown. I like it. I like so, it. So then you have a choice. If you're close to midfield, you're like, well, do we, do we take the guarantee, you know, not the guarantee. Do we take the potentially easier quarterback kick field goal to win it? Or do we just go? Because once we once we get past midfield, we can't we can't go back. I like it. I like it. We probably should just get rid of punters too while we're at I, it. I think so too. I like it. Um, I'll call Oliver. Oh, and also safeties automatically win the game. Ooh, yeah, that's dangerous. Automatic win. It's dangerous. No, no, automatic end to the half. If you're in the first half, hmm. 
if you're in the second half, then uh, you know what? No, no. Safety should be like two point deductions. That's what it should be. This is the most so, excited I've ever seen you. Just yeah. for the record. So you lose two points. You, the the sacking or the the uh, the safety. What do you call it? the safetying team? Sure. <laughs> the, the team. The the defense does not get points, but the offense loses points. Like it. Functionally, it changes nothing <laughs> at like all. It. But it just. It's more demoralizing if you lose points, you know, that you, it's, that you it's already have. It's going to kind of be like baseball where there's so many different rules that you got to follow that, that yeah. that's part of the fun is figuring out what the heck is going on. Right. I like it. Well, and speaking of baseball, um, we can incorporate some of that in here somehow. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how we would do that. Oh, I know. Uh, instead of having benches on the sideline, there would be, be dugouts. Love it. That you can fall into. Right. Or and we'll, be tackled into. And we'll, yeah, exactly. Flagged, flagged into. Sorry, it's not tackle. I forgot the, the core. And uh, if you're the defense who's waiting while the offense is on the field, they all huddle in a giant on-deck circle. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And also we call the referees umpires. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. So so if, if the XFL has those rules, are you in for it? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah me too. Sounds like not a sport you can drink beer during, though, because you wouldn't ever know what's going on. Well, that's the thing. They don't actually serve beer at these games. They, ah, so they, the fans will be angry. No, they only serve cocktails. It's a cocktail-only sports setting. Oh, the fans yeah. will be blitzed. Yeah. That does so. add a certain dynamic to it. <laughs> a does. certain dynamic, indeed. So speaking of conspiracies, I mentioned Oliver Luck. How long before Andrew Luck is playing in the XFL? Uh, oh, man. I think it's more likely that we see Andrew Luck uh, going back and coaching at Stanford. I mean, because you mean David Shaw is coming out of a job here when exactly. they I just, lose to UCLA. I just watched UCLA intercept Stanford as well. So they scored a field goal. Now it's 24-10. And they just, oh, wait a minute. Coming but back. now there's a flag. Coming back. Oh, so many flags. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's at the point now where I can't get excited by a play until a good 10 seconds after the play when it's clear that there's no, like that. What is the flag thrown for? Yeah, that was terrible. Terrible. Robot refs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think we're a little bit away from robot refs in the NFL, but I would like to see it. I mean, replay doesn't matter in the NFL anymore, so we're closer than than we could be. At this point, don't you kind of think that anything should be allowed in the NFL? Like, obviously not. I'm not talking about violent hits. I think that like unsportsmanlike conduct, personal fouls for violence should always be penalized. But as far as like, you know, contact with the hands past you know i mean holding occurs every play yeah exactly every single play just the my solution for holding are you ready for this you wrap every lineman's hands in tape or like you know they get, you give them like giant mittens oven so mitts yeah exactly Love they it. play in oven mitts and like they just it. and they just go to town they're allowed to do whatever they want this should happen in our new xfl oh that's a good point yeah we'll, we'll save that for the xfl <laughs> But that'd be good, right? You get you get rid of the. Um, it's just like Jason yeah, Pierre Paul when when Jason Pierre Paul, um, blew off his fingers with the firework. Firework, incident, right? Yep. He had to wear this giant like cast thing. He was still getting sacks. Yeah, he was, and he wasn't getting holding calls. Look at that. Mm, I think we solved it. This is my solution. I think we solved. So it. So that solves the holding thing, and then I don't know PI, DPI, OPI. Just let him duke it out out there, like. Yeah, at this point, no this one knows point. what it is or not, so we might as well just stop throwing flags. And the conversation is about offenses being overpowered anyway, so give cornerbacks something to I slow agree. them down. I agree. Um, I have no idea where we are anymore. <laughs> I don't either. I'm enjoying it. I have no idea where we are. <laughs> this is going well. This is exciting. Um, you want to talk about Appalachian State, I think, right? 
I am the resident uh, App State expert. Yeah. By the way, did you know that they're in the FBS now? No, I thought I when they beat UNC a few <laughs> weeks ago, it was like the most epic upset that they went to North Carolina and beat old man Mac Brown. And I couldn't figure out why no one else cared. And then I realized, oh, like, they're an FBS Oh, they're not team. FCS. I, I'm just used to my Hokies being embarrassed every year by someone. Well, my favorite thing was before we hit the record button, I was looking at uh, some college football stuff and looking at rankings. And I was like, Appalachian State, number 24. And then you were like, yeah, they're pretty good this year. As I, like, I did based on as, that one game that I saw the fourth quarter. As of. if you always are in tune with how good Appalachian State is. And this year, they're pretty good. I mean, I think if we look around the room right now, there's one Exron App State and it's me. I mean, because they, there's only two people in the room. They, exactly. <laughs> they have to be. I mean, do you, do you know the record? Are they undefeated? They have to be at their 24th, right? Uh, as, as App State. Boy, you know, I, I've been on the road this week, so I haven't checked on them. Also, this is ignorance, but is App State, are they AAC? I mean, ACC? No, they are, are they American? They're 5-0, and oh, let's see. Appalachian State, standings, here we go. Oh, Sunbelt. I, uh, that's they are what I meant. Sunbelt. You that's know, the, these Sunbelt teams, though, they like to play spoiler. I mean, uh, Texas State, I think, has at least one spoil in the past few years. And Troy, definitely. Remember Troy went to... Um, Mighty Troy. They go to, what, LSU? They went into an SEC team at some point in the past few years. I forget who it was. They pulled off some sort of upset. I believe it. Yeah. Sunbelt, American. They love just ruining other people's seasons. They do. Well, App State. So any anything to add on App State as our resident expert, Pete? No, I I, I, I think we've covered them <laughs> okay. pretty pretty effectively. I uh, I could bore you with some some great stats, but I don't I don't want to waste your time with that. Well, I'm saving. Their coach did go to Louisville, though. Louisville's turning around. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's a fact. Okay. See, I know things. Didn't know that. <laughs> um, okay. I want to get to the Nats because I know you're you're a Nats fan. And yeah, we got we got to talk about the first ever World Series in franchise history. Love but it. before we do, any uh, any comments on this <laughs> this NBA? Hong Kong what, deal. What I just I just want to wade. I just, I just want to wade into the uh, most dicey waters we possibly can. Yeah, I don't think we've offended any basketball fans yet, so I think I think that's all we have left right okay, now. So, so, fair game. so let's let's go for it. Um, I I don't understand why the NBA is even entertaining this at this point, and what I mean by that is, it. I'm not going to go to LeBron's level and say it was an ignorant tweet that the GM of the Rockets sent out. But it's one of those we look at just the the line of succession here and why all of these big sports reps keep kind of injecting themselves into these really, really hot button issues. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, we we've talked over the years. You know I'm a big fan of LeBron. And I, I think the things that he's done for Cleveland, the things that honestly he's done for whatever franchise he's been a part of in his local communities have been great. But why do we always turn to LeBron to have all these great political thoughts. And, and I think he's a very, very intelligent guy. I really do. But I don't know why we always depend on these big sports figures to weigh in on these hot political debates. I think in the past they've done great things for us, but why do, do we always look to them to give us all this wisdom on it? Because no matter what, half of us are always going to be upset with what they say because no one either, I'm sorry, everyone either loves LeBron or hates LeBron. There's no one in the middle. So no matter what he says, he's going to make people mad. And the same thing with sending that tweet out. I, I agree with the tweet. I think watching what is happening in Hong Kong, freedom of speech is absolutely a, a really important thing, but I just don't know why sports figures always feel the need to to interject on that stuff because it only leads to anger. I, I guess that's what I don't understand is, is why do we always have to lead to anger on these things? Yeah. Um, I, so I was, I was, 
I've obviously been very interested in this whole story because I'm, I'm always very intrigued when there's, there's questions of, uh, there's questions at the nexus of sports and politics. Mm -hmm. And there are questions about, you know, what is permissible versus what is, uh, appropriate versus what is authorized versus what is prudent. Um, so this story has been really interesting to me for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, Bill Simmons had a conversation about it with Jason Gay of the wall street journal. Yeah. And I was, I like Jason Gay a lot. So I was, kind of excited for this conversation and I was really disappointed by the tenor of it. And I was especially disappointed by how weak Bill Simmons was on the whole, on the kind whole, of like Steve Kerr was right. Where, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just not taking a side. And, uh, and I get it in one sense because I mean, it's like Bill Simmons, for example, even though he's not on league payroll, uh, a lot of what he does is wrapped up in the Absolutely. NBA's future and Absolutely. the NBA's popularity. So he really had to kind of tread very gently around the whole thing. For me, I, I, I totally agree with you that we can't just always look to sports figures for commentary on politics. Yeah. One reason why we do, I think, is because in this country, we've made politics into something that it shouldn't be. We've made it into our God. And it is like, you know, if you disagree with me on politics, then you're actually a subhuman being. And yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't really talk to you at all. Um. And I, I need to call you names on Twitter whenever I engage you because you Absolutely. don't. But never to my face, just no, on Twitter. No, exactly, right? just on Twitter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so I think, you know, when we um, when we make politics into something that is that important, we then expect that any public figure will have to weigh in on whatever is happening in politics because it is that important. Yeah. And I don't want to deny that politics is important, but I do definitely want to deny that politics is life. <laughs> It, it runs everything. Yeah. Now. It runs everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, everyone's political leanings all the time. Right. And, um, yeah, so I, I yeah, so I, I agree with you on that front. However, I disagree, and I don't even disagree with you, but just to take this conversation in a slightly different direction, I disagree with the NBA's response to this because their response, and I get it, they have billions of dollars in yeah. potential revenue yeah. tied up in China. So their response was to... Uh, you know, basically make Duramori issue a non-apology apology and mm-hmm. then to just very gently back off his comments while also saying we support the right of, of you know, our players and executives to express themselves. And I just think they could have been a little bit stronger. Like maybe yeah. maybe I'm sort of nostalgic for, you know, good old-fashioned American values that harken back to an era, you know, right around the time that we were born, something that we're not old enough old enough to remember, but... Soviet Union versus the United States, you know, this China is a communist authoritarian regime who treats millions of people very badly. And there's no way getting around that. Yeah. Like we're, we shouldn't just pretend because we want their, their uh, basketball revenue. We shouldn't just pretend yeah. that that's not the case. And I'm not saying that like all Chinese are evil by, by far no, uh, the farthest thing from that. But what I am saying is that it would have been nice if the NBA you know, Adam Silver calls up Daryl Morey and says, come on, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> like, just be a little smarter than that. But then publicly goes out and says, look, we support freedom of expression. We support political self-determination. And if you don't like it, you know, tough luck. Yeah. I guess I'm just too idealistic because, I mean, the NBA does stand to lose billions of dollars by doing that because China as... But, but, catastrophic. But, but I mean, the proof them. is in the pudding. Maybe that's the wrong use of that, that uh, axiom, but... I guess what I'm saying is the fa- the very fact that the NBA has, I just saw a headline today, Adam Silver said they've lost substantial revenue in China. The very fact that they've lost substantial revenue from one 
executives pro Hong Kong tweet is absurd and to me indicates that this is not the type of regime that you want to be tied up with doing business with, right? Yeah, absolutely. But they're, they're looking at Jersey sales. They're looking at getting big prospects. I keep thinking back to Yao Ming and what would happen if he was coming Apparently up. Apparently he's heated about this whole thing, by really? the way, because what, the, what obviously the, the, the Rockets are his franchise, yeah. right? And, uh, and he is in China and he's one of the main guys brokering yeah, this, this China NBA yeah. relationship. And he's pro China in this Hong Kong dispute. So when Daryl Morey says that, apparently made Yao Ming very, very angry. Yeesh. That was what uh, that's what I was hearing on the Bill Simmons podcast. So, well, here's my question: Did we just get uh, censored in China for this debate? Do we lose all four of our Chinese listeners Probably. right now? Probably. Oh, oh, I'm gonna miss those bummer. guys. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, that's indeed. disappointing. Maybe they can go to Hong Kong. <laughs> I mean, so I recommended right. So now. I think that I mean I do think that there is some nuance. This I was disappointed with Bill Simmons on this because he just he kind of backed off the whole debate. It was just like, there's a lot of complexity and historical issues and nuance that people don't understand. And I, there is nuance yep. to the Hong Kong protest situation. Mm -hmm. And I do think that we can have a, we can have a conversation about whether or not the method of protest there, the, um, you know, the form of self-expression about self-determination, whether or not that's most appropriate or prudential or whatever, we can totally have a nuanced conversation about that. But what we can't have a nuanced conversation about, what we or I should say what we shouldn't have a nuanced conversation about because there is no nuance to be had, is whether or not an executive of an American sports team can express an opinion in which he sides with self-determination for people against and a basic human rights. Yeah, against an authoritarian state. Yeah. That's there there's no nuance there. I agree. Uh so I've been disappointed with that whole that whole saga. Um and uh, yeah, it's just, it's not as complicated, I think, as as some voices are wanting to claim that it is. No. And I was kind of disappointed with LeBron for the same reason. I mean, he he criticized Maury and then people started saying, oh, you know, you're just going to side with communist China now. And then he had to issue a correction that was basically saying, oh, no, I'm not saying that the tweet was wrong. I'm saying that he was ill-informed of the potential consequences of the tweet, et cetera. And, and so who knows, really? Yeah. Uh, at the very least, it was it was a rare example of LeBron not communicating well on the first first time. So and we had to normally he's a, he's good yeah. at that. And I, I mean, I, he's I, a very um, not in a bad way, but a very image conscious guy who, who mm -hmm. understands how his statements and um, and actions are perceived. So, well, what's funny. Is there anything more evident than the almighty dollar rules all? Is there anything more American than the almighty dollar rules all? Yeah, totally. even if it's compromising our own values. That's a good point. I guess maybe this is this is more thoroughly American than I. <laughs> I could hope. Love it. Yeah. Love it. It's in your nugget. Um, okay. Should we talk Nats now? I was hoping that Josh would be would be up, but he has not texted me back, so I don't think we can give him a call. So I think it's all you. You're our Nats guy. Oh, gosh. You already talked Nats? That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, after I uh, clearly performed with App State so well, clearly I'm the I'm president the expert. expert. Yeah. Um, oh, man. We're seeing a replay. Thank you, ESPN, for this replay of head injury, as it's ugly. described on the That's some CT if I've seen it. Yeah, what in the world? That was awful. Um, okay. Well, thank you, ESPN. So let's talk baseball now. Um, speaking of baseball, Houston now up six, three on the Yankees. So they are on their way, you know, barring catastrophe on their way to a three, one series lead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's going to be interesting. The, the pitching of the Astros is scary. I, I think it's the scariest we've probably seen in a decade in the it, majors. I really do. So you would rather see the Yankees, in a World Series than the Astros as, as a Nats fan. I would. The The Yankees offense is what scares me. They still have very good pitching. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the Yankees offense is what scares me. And you look at the strengths of the Yankees offense. I look at the power threat, not necessarily the contact threat. Sure. And, 
and where teams have been able to get at the Nationals and specifically get at Scherzer in the first inning with the, the solo home run and then not much. Strasburg, he occasionally gets beat on the long ball. Not much else. I mean, if, if I'm looking at the Astros and I'm looking at the Yankees, that Astros pitching staff scares me with a Nats offense that is good, not great. I think they've got a lot of good contact hitters. They've got great situational hitting. Yeah. But, man, going up against a guy like Garrett Cole or Zach Greinke or Justin Verlander, I mean, you're, you're talking about Verlander's a surefire Hall of Famer. I think Greinke's got a case for it. I really do if he keeps going like this for a couple more years. I think Garrett Cole, I mean, watching that guy in Pittsburgh, this is not the same guy. Like, they, they have figured him out. Um how to get him right. And you're looking at guys who really can compete for the hall of fame. And I think it's the same with the nationals. I, I think, I think Scherzer's a hall of famer. I think Strasburg a couple more years will, will absolutely contend and be on that level. But the, the Yankees offense scares me much less than the Astros pitching does right now. And the, let's be honest after a week off, like the nationals are going to have, I am scared about the offense coming out very, very cold in games one and two. Yeah. And the pitchers having to keep that to be a, a two, three run game to give them a chance. And, I don't see the Astros offense necessarily skipping a beat because they're going to come and worst come case, yeah. I'm sorry, best case for them is they win on Friday night. If they can hold on here in game three, I'm sorry, in game four and then win tomorrow in game five. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a four day layoff. That is much easier to do than the seven day layoff the nationals are doing. So yeah, I'd, I'd rather face the Yankees. Also selfishly. I know if they face the Yankees, everyone in America except New York is cheering for, for the nationals and that, that helps too. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. Especially Red Sox fans, right? Exactly. Exactly. Come on the bandwagon. It's nice. I promise. Uh, I'm definitely all aboard the Nats bandwagon for, well, one, because the American League potential opponents are the Yankees, who are just, you know, yeah, we already talked about this, right? And then to the Astros, who already won it uh, two years ago. So remember two years ago, we were doing all the pods talking about yeah. them in the World Series. And I was, was so all, cool. Then. I was all aboard the Astros bandwagon yeah, then. Fun. Um, and uh, yeah, but just, you know, they, they did it two years ago. Yep. The Nats have never been to a World Series, nope. and now they are. So this is pretty exciting. I'm, I've been impressed with how they perform so far in the postseason. I've really been impressed with the uh, the method of managing that involves you know pulling in Scherzer in relief, for example. Like they're they're they've been in such a win now mode. Yeah. I think too often teams get into this. Well, let's just game plan for the next game. Let's not worry about this game as much. We've got a one run lead, so let's just not put our not put our yep. ace in right now, and yep. let's just try to hold on so that we can use our ace next game. And uh, I just think it's better to solve the problems as they come. And if, if you know, Scherzer's your guy in a high leverage situation and you're holding a slim lead, then you put him in the seventh if he's fresh, right? So um, I've been I've been impressed by that, and I hope that continues because uh, when the traditional rules of the regular season kind of go out the window, it's a lot more fun in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, Josh can attest to this, that, that he and I have, have talked through most of these games, and I was not happy with Max Scherzer getting the start in the wild card game against the Brewers. Yeah. But I thought Strasburg was the hotter guy. And I still haven't heard this from Davey Martinez, so who knows if it's true or not. But watching that, I think Davey Martinez realized that what he needed was a late inning guy more than an early inning guy in that wild card game. And so I, I think he really impressed me with his managerial style there. I was I was it, not did, on the, did I get it backwards? Was it Scherzer who came in relief or was it Strasburg? Uh no. So Scherzer came in relief in the game against the Dodgers. That, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. In, yeah. in the NLDS, but Strasburg came in relief yes. in the wild card game. And that's I love that he's doing this. I yeah. mean, it's it's awesome. And and I am honestly, I am surprised it hasn't backfired on him yet because there's been a couple of high leverage situations where you look at the guys in the box and you're thinking Max Scherzer always gives up a home run in the first inning he's yeah. in, and we're gonna pull him in, in the eighth with a one run lead and he 
he holds it. I, I think there's been a little luck. I don't think he's necessarily playing the matchups as much as he's playing his gut, which honestly was always my biggest complaint about Davey Martinez. Is yeah. I didn't think he could read a pitching staff that he always seemed to pull a guy out in late fifth, early sixth innings. Cause he didn't like the lefty lefty matchup that was coming up and you watch, he would throw off the flow of the game and what he has done so well the last couple of weeks of the season and what he's done really well here in the playoffs is he appears to be just going with the flow of the game. When a guy is hot, he's sticking it. I mean, leaving Ryan Zimmerman in game five against the Dodgers, I'm sorry, against the Brewers again, where mm-hmm. he got that, that little broken bat single in the center field where there's no reason Ryan Zimmerman should have been in there. If you're playing the analytics game and it should have been, uh, uh, a Cabrera coming off the yep. bench. Yep. Um, Davey appears to finally be reading the game and not the matchups. Yeah. And that's fun. Cause I was not in Davey's corner for a very long time. And he's, he's made me a believer and I will, I will eat crow on, on not. I remember last year him. you talking about his shortcomings. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, similar question to my XFL draft question earlier. If you are heading up the, I don't know, the Portland Timbers, or is, is that the soccer team, the Portland Timbers? The Portland, yes. uh, whatever, the Portland fill-in-the-blank MLB expansion team, and you can draft, and let's just assume for the sake of the argument that none of the Washington Nationals players are protected. Who, okay. are, who are you drafting from that? So we have we have some leading candidates, I think. Uh, you could do a pitcher like Scherzer, Strasburg. Uh, I, I doubt you're going to go for Anibal Sanchez, given that you go for one of those first two guys, or, or Patrick Corbin for that matter. Um, but Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, yeah. Adam Eaton, probably not, but I mean, who, who's your guy? Trey Turner? I mean, there, I, there's a I lot do of love big play Trey. There's a lot uh-huh. of fun players on that roster, and I'm not, I don't know who you choose as a as a cornerstone, but I think I would go Soto. I I like that pick with Soto. It's it's nearly impossible to argue with. I think I take Rendon because I think he's one of the best third basemen in the league as well. Yeah. That you don't necessarily build a franchise defensively around a third baseman, but he is so solid at the hot corner, and he. His at bats are just a thing of beauty where he seldom swings and misses. I mean, he's he's always in those at bats. Soto is so young that I, I love the idea of building around him because you have him for another 10, 12 years in the yeah. league. But Rendon's not that much older. So I, I think I take Rendon just by a hair, but those two guys. What is Rendon? 27? Uh yeah, I was, I was gonna, thinking mid twenties. Right but I mean, if if the Nationals can find a way to lock up Rendon and lock up Strasburg here in the offseason, I mean, this this is not going to be a flash in the pan for this team that they now that they have finally gelled and Soto's learned how to play left field and Rendon is really coming into his own. I I think this team could really win for another two or three years. I'm yeah. not saying they're going to win it all now, but I, I think that they they're going to compete. The Braves in the NL East are scary. They're going to be around for a while, but I, I see the Nats and the Braves as the the two teams in this division here, at least for the next year or two. Yeah. Un, until the Phillies really start hitting their stride and figure out what to do with Bryce. Bryce had a great year, but I still don't think the chemistry is necessarily there with him. Well, you've heard the Ewing theory, right? We've talked about that. I have. I have. I love it. So the Ewing theory holds that when a star player leaves a team that has been perennially stuck in a championship drought, that team has a strong chance to go on to win a championship. I don't want to jinx it here, but people are saying you theory. It's not just me. I hope it's true. I it refers true. to uh, Patrick Ewing, who was on the Georgetown Hoyas and then left and they got a championship. And then was it the Knicks? My, they my, uh, Knicks. yeah, Knicks. Okay. My, uh, my NBA history deficit is exposed here, but I'm pretty sure it was the Knicks. Yeah. It's, it's not like app status for me. So I, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. I had another question for you on the Nats. Uh, do you think you're going to lose Rendon on the off season? No, no, 
I, I think they find a way to hold him. They offered him a lot of money, and I yeah, think that, I saw that talks have just quieted because of everything that's going on. Yeah, got other stuff to focus on. I, I think if anything, probably a stronger chance he comes back if he if they win, right? I mean, it's just have to agree. And or, or even at this point, though, even if if they don't win, you come back to try to rep- to to go back and get it. Yeah, this, the second time. This right? team has demonstrated that they've they've got the horses, and yeah. I. I was really, really bummed when Bryce left. Like, you know, I was I was very disappointed when he left. But I think the way that they've been building here for the last couple of years, this year has really validated Mike Rizzo, who's the GM in Washington, who I also have not been a fan of for a long time. I was mad when he fired Dusty a couple yep. of years ago. We, I think we had an emergency pod talking about that during the World Series uh, with, with firing Dusty. And, and I think that this validates that he has identified the right kind of talent that he's not necessarily investing in the 19 and 20 year olds outside of Juan Soto. He's investing in the guys who are in their mid twenties right. with the proven war, with the proven defensive record who have good chemistry. I think they are starting to identify good chemistry more than anything else. I mean, you look at them bringing in guys like Geraldo Para, Para, excuse me, the baby shark. Yep. Um, and, and how much guys like him have really changed the dynamics of that locker room. Like they never had with, with Bryce and with all these other guys who have walked over the years. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I'm excited. It'll be Nats Me versus too. Yankees or Astros. Me too. What's your prediction? Uh, as in who they face or who wins? Who wins? Ultimately. I think the Astros are going to go to the World Series. Yep. I agree. And I, I don't know if it's wishful thinking or or reasonable prediction, but I'm going to call the Nats take it. I'm going to go six games. That's what I was thinking. Nats was, and six. Nats and six. But I don't want to jinx it because that's what I want to happen. So we'll see. I'm just so happy they got there. In all seriousness, I'm just so happy they got there. They finally got over the hump. And you know, looking at the playoff schedule this year, it's kind of been like a video game where they've had to face every boss who has ever like wronged them. Like you got to beat the top guy every time that they had to, they had to finally get over the hump and win a playoff series in the form of that wild card game. And they got to win it at home. That was huge for them. Overcoming the Dodgers who've disappointed them many, many times. Mm Mm-hmm watching the Braves go out who've had their number in the regular season for so long. And then finally defeating the Cardinals who, who devastated them in 2012 when they were such a better team. It was a beatdown in this, in this, uh, this, LCS too. This LCS was something they were angry and, yeah. and you watch how the Cardinals have wronged them over the years and, and for them to take them down, it, it just seems like the stars aligned so well for them. And they, they got a little lucky, but you look at where they were in May. Um, and it's, it's talent and it's chemistry that's gotten them here. So it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's fun to be in it. Yeah, totally agree. Well, I think we should stop there. We're just just at about an hour. So love it. Where this we, is uh, so fun, though. Our this our first ever podcast in person. I know. Everything else has been over Skype. I know. Over two years, we started we started doing this in what September of twenty seventeen. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, we got to make it happen again soon. I agree. Let's get you out to Vegas here soon. Let's do it. Come back to Colorado anytime. I love this place. the The studio will be ready for you. Can't wait. This is this is quite the setup here. This is quite the setup. I uh I mean you're making it sound more glamorous than it is. It's really just some microphones on my desk, and then I have this cool Rodecaster Pro that I love and use so much more than a laptop, honestly. A lot of flashing lights on it. Um it does have so my girls love these these uh different colored uh lighting pads. Um I'm sure our listeners love hearing about this part. So we'll <laughs> we'll wrap it up here. But thanks so much for listening to another episode of the lineup. It's been so long, I don't even remember our, our email address, but I think it's lineup at vernacularpodcast.com. Sounds right. Yeah, so go ahead and email us. We'll check it, we promise. At vernacularpodcast.com. I know our tons of adoring fans have definitely listened this far on the podcast, so uh, they're they're ready to send us a note. But thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Pete. Have a great week. Hey!